Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast where you'll hear the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. It was my pleasure to sit down with HBO chairman and CEO Richard Plepler on May 4th from the stage of Variety's annual Entertainment and Technology Summit in New York. We enjoyed a wide-ranging discussion on the state of the HBO business as Plepler navigates the brand through what's probably the fiercest competitive environment he's seen since he came aboard way back in 1992. But as you'll hear from him, HBO is confident about its position in the marketplace, thanks to a well-stocked cupboard of hit series like Game of Thrones and a direct-to-consumer business that is making HBO widely available via digital platforms. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and if you like this episode, make sure you subscribe to Strictly Business. Now, here's Richard Plepler. I want to start with the elephant in the room, which I, I know you're going to be limited in what you could say about a Actually, certain, less than limited. Less than limited. Yeah. About a certain court <laughs> case, about a certain pair of companies, one trying to acquire the other. All right, so let me, let me at least ask this. AT&T is no stranger to HBO. You guys struck a pretty interesting distribution deal in 2016. Yep. Conceptually, what does what do these two companies bring to each other? Yeah, look, I think um, it's quite axiomatic, right? They have 110, 120 million connections uh, with consumers. They have a huge data analytics uh, uh, reservoir, which I think will be very useful for to us in terms of subscriber acquisition. Um, the more information we have, we think the better we can serve the consumer and better serve our customers currently and potential customers. And the deal that we did, that HBO did in the summer of 2016, which was a multilateral deal, broadband, wireless, direct TV, is, is really kind of uh, a microcosm of our distribution strategy writ large, right, which is we wanted to make HBO available whenever, however, wherever people uh, want it. And we've built a multilateral distribution network for cable partners, satellite partners, telco partners, and now digital partners. And as you well know, because uh, we've spoken about this before, when we announced that we were going to build a, a uh, digital platform, the whole concept was... We saw the broadband-only universe when we made that announcement on Investor Day in October of 14. There were probably about 3.5 million broadband-only subs in the United States. We sit here today. Uh, there's 20 million. And we knew that that was growing, and we wanted to be available to people who just had broadband. And it has been um, a terrific addition um, to our, uh, to our uh, distribution model because we now are approaching... Uh, folks who don't have a, a traditional cable uh, subscription. That said, we're growing in the ecosystem as well for all kinds of different reasons. Ecosystem and meaning the, the linear cable, channel. The traditional uh, distribution system as well. And parenthetically, and this is interesting, remember, the broadband platforms that Comcast has or that Spectrum has, that AT&T has, um, they can bundle us as well. So there's all different means of getting to the customer, and we wanted to maximize those, which is why we did what we did, which, as you know, um, resulted last year in our biggest year of sub-revenue growth ever. So I think uh, it was a good decision that we did it. We didn't think it was going to be cannibalistic, which was uh, some people's dig on us was, A, we, wouldn't, we didn't have the tech DNA, we couldn't do it, and B, if we did do it, it would be cannibalistic. 
yes, we could. No, it wasn't. And our proposition was pretty simple, which was the pie was going to get bigger, and that was going to be good for the consumer. It was going to be good for distributors, and it was going to be good for us. So when you say you've got this subscriber growth, forgive me for being a little skeptical. Is it possible that, okay, you guys have tapped now a market that you were never able to tap, that always needed to buy basic cable before they got HBO. Now they can go directly to HBO. Okay, so you got, I don't know, three, four, five million. How many more of those people could there be left? So we think um, our penetration, which has always been about a third of the country, we think we can get to 50%. And That's uh, ambitious. It is ambitious, but we, we look at our better-performing affiliates, and those better-performing affiliates um, are close to that. And so... For us, when we looked at the opportunity in the marketplace, basically what we said was pretty simple, which is, you know what, there's a huge undecided vote out there, and we've shored up our base pretty well. There's obviously going to be people who aren't going to subscribe because either they feel they have enough or they don't like the programming. But there is a big market of uh, an additional 15 or 20 million homes out there that we're going after in both the broadband ecosystem and the traditional ecosystem. So we think there's a lot of growth left, and we're going to attack it. And the key to doing that is to continue to make great content, curate that content, and make sure that our brand promise of excellence uh, continues to be sustained. If we do that, I think last year is an indicator uh, uh, of, of what's ahead. We'll get to that content in a bit, but uh, you know, another distribution question. What is the primary growth driver? I know there is HBO Now as a standalone. I know I could get it through Amazon or Hulu. Mm-hmm. Is there any one of those that's going to be the real driver? It's multifaceted. And I would say this. Over the course of the last five years, just to your point about growth, a couple of things. Over the course of the last five years, HBO has realized 35%, companies 45 years old, we've realized 35% of our growth in the last five years. So I think that shows how robust the brand is. Also over the last five years, as multi-channel homes have declined 70%, uh, 7%, excuse me, we've grown 18%. And so the, the, the fact is we were underpenetrated. Uh, over the course, I, I think, of, of the last decade. And we want to get that penetration up to what we think is an appropriate level, which is about half the country. That's, I mean, you sound incredibly confident that you could do this, which is interesting given. Well, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm just telling you that uh, uh, we're, we're, we've seen the momentum of our subgrowth. We believe that, you know, here's an interesting, I think this is an interesting paradox about what's happening out there in this very rich content-driven culture of ours, which is there's, there's somewhere around 9,000 hours of programming. There's about 487 hours of scripted programming, which accounts to 5,000 hours. There's about 750 hours of non-scripted programming. There's about 4,000 hours. Uh, there's only 8,760 hours in the year. So what does that mean? It means you can't keep track of everything. And Brands matter more than ever because when people, a brand essentially is a promise. Our promise is the curation of quality. Other people are going to do good work. That's fine. As long as we continue to curate excellence and we do it across a lot of different categories, we're going to continue to grow. So that's what we think about. How do we make sure that inside the HBO brand, whether it's docus, whether it's sports, whether it's half hours, hours, miniseries, we are putting together an array of quality 
that can become addictive to an even broader part of the consumer base. And so that's, I un- that's what we're doing for a living. I understand your bullishness, but let's take a step back and say the reality is Jeez, the undeniable such a cynic, Ian. the undeniable reality is is the competitive landscape you're facing right now is like nothing you've ever seen. Netflix alone spending at probably you know possibly double what you guys are doing on just original content not talking about licensing Amazon right behind them Apple coming your incumbent competitors like Showtime and Stars aren't fading fast anytime soon so how are you going to be able to compete especially when you're being outspent by a lot of these new players not a lot you know our brand um is a magnet for talented people in the creative community. I feel like Ted Sarando says the same thing. Well, he, 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 he does, and he's welcome to say it, and there's some truth to it, and they do very good work, and I've said publicly, and I'm, I, I, I've said it to them directly, anybody who doesn't tip their hat to what those guys have accomplished uh, in the last uh, seven, ten years just isn't being fair. They've done a terrific job. Our job is to play our game to our fullest capacity. And so the, the blessing of our brand, the blessing of uh, HBO, is that the line at our door in, in, in May of 2018 is even bigger than the line at our door when I was co-president in 2007 to 2012, and the line was pretty big then. So it's, it's interesting. Despite all this surfeit of content, we have more extraordinary writers and producers and directors who want to work at HBO than ever before. And so we, we have that embarrassment of riches. And, you know, every Friday we know of three, four different projects that Monday morning when we came in we didn't know about. And that's very exciting. So our job is pick well, work with people with whom we have a shared vision, we have more programming coming next year than at any time in our history, working with a wide range of people um, from, you know, J.J. Abrams to Issa to a prequel of Thrones, which we're, uh, we're, we're looking at a range of different pilots right now. Uh, Damon Lindelof, who's come back with a project called Watchmen. There is absolutely no shortage of extraordinary work being done for us. Our job, make the right bets. And if we do that, then this is not binary. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be a good show on Netflix or a good show on Amazon. None of that has interfered with our growth. And I think the proof is in the pudding. Um, again, despite the intensity of this competition, we grew more last year than in any year in our history. And we're growing and on track for terrific double-digit sub-revenue growth this year as well. So wouldn't you play say... our game well and curate quality, and we will continue to grow. It's not a zero-sum game. I was exactly, that was the exact phrase I was going to use. Don't you think, even if you manage to do well while competitor B does very well, that competitor F, G, and H may actually fall out? Aren't we in this consolidating world coming to a place where well, the, the lower brands are not going to make it? Listen, I do think that... Um, if you just look at your own lives and you look at, you know, you have only a certain amount of leisure time, a certain amount of time, you can watch movies, watch television, be on the computer, you make, you make, uh, you make judgments, you make picks. And um, the key for us is to keep the halo on our brand so that 
when people do have discretionary time, they are comfortable that we are fulfilling our promise to deliver excellence. And they come, they might not love everything, but they certainly think that for $15 a month, 3,000 hours of library, the wide range of programming which we make for Hollywood movie studios, people end up saying, you know what? That's a pretty good price value proposition. And they're delivering what they say they're going to deliver. And while I, and I can't watch everything, there's three or four things on every month on HBO that I think are terrific. Maybe they're in love with John Oliver, maybe Bill Maher, maybe it's Vice, maybe it's our docus, maybe it's the movies, maybe it's Silicon Valley, whatever it is, I want to be a part of this because it's worth it. That's what we think about all the time. Are we building addicts and are we developing the, and, and enhancing our curation, making more and more consumers um, decide that they want to be uh, a subscriber? So, you know, job one, of course, is putting on the hits. You just mentioned uh, Game of Thrones, uh, these prequels that are in, in development. Where do things stand there? I mean, is that going to be the next big we, hit? Well, no, look, as you well know, as a student of it, nobody knows what the next big hit is. You know, the, the, when, I, when I started uh, back in 07 and The Sopranos was going off the air, um, the first question when I sat up at the TCA, you, you may have even been there, was, oh, my God, Sopranos is off the air. What's the next Sopranos? And I answered it then by saying, there is no next Sopranos. There's the next great range of programming. And in came Alan Ball with True Blood, and in came Lena Dunham with Girls, and in came you know, these, this, this uh, British writer named Armando Iannucci satirizing American politics with Veep, and these two guys who had never really done television who nobody had heard of, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, with Thrones. So what you want to do is create an environment, which we're very proud of, um, where talent wants to work. And if you do that, um, it, it's, it, it, it creates a certain catalytic momentum because talent shows up. And, um, and, and then, look, we're pretty damn good brand ambassadors. We believe in our brand. Um, we're very proud of it. But the best brand ambassadors for us are the talent themselves. Because Nicole Kidman has an experience, or Reese Witherspoon has an experience, or David Kelly has an experience. They're then repeating that to their colleagues, and they're saying, you know, uh, look, I've worked at a lot of places. I've never had the kind of feedback. I've never had the kind of response. I've never been treated that way. My product is marketed beautifully. It's promoted beautifully. That's an experience I want to repeat. So, well, people can say a lot of different things, and everybody is, is perfectly within their rights to celebrate and brag about their brands. We've delivered on it for a long time, and I think the talent speaks about it authentically, and, and that, that has its own uh, virtuous circle. But as we saw with uh, Big Little Lies, the cost of that talent is going up. The cost of production has been driven up dramatically for a lot of different genres. And then you've got... I hate to go back to the Netflix of it all, but when you see the Ryan Murphys and the Shonda Rhimes getting sort of just peeled out and put back in, into that streaming service, I mean, don't you have to worry about holding on to talent on both sides of the camera when it seems like they can get more easily poached than ever? Well, look, we understand that the cost of content has gone up, and we understand that um, there's a premium on that, and there's a multiple on it. We have to pay it. But we're more than willing to do it because the return on that investment is as strong as it is. You know, we, our operating income last year, I think, 
reported was somewhere uh, very close to $2.5 billion. We, we are growing, and we're making money, and we're investing, and we're going to continue to invest more and more in content because that's the heart and soul of the brand. So we're perfectly comfortable mm-hmm. making the kinds of investments and the kinds of bets we need to make to have uh, a panoply of shows on, on our network that are going to be compelling. And I think talent knows, because this is a, a whole different conversation, there are back-end opportunities for talent at HBO. Uh, people who come and have uh, an, a, a full and rich experience at HBO from the creative side, if the show does well, they do very well. And, um, you know, if you go talk to people who have worked with us who have a lot of options to go a lot of different places, they're coming back over and over again to work at HBO. I think that speaks volumes about our brand and the experience that people have there. So is it competitive? Of course it's competitive. Are we more than up to the competition? I think we are. Do you, how do you, you know, when you're in the room wooing the biggest and best talent and those talents are getting wooed elsewhere... You know, do you, do you point out things like, hey, look, Netflix has this, they have so much volume there, they don't even know how to handle it, whereas maybe we take a little more of a hand-in-glove approach? You know what? I, I, I don't think it's necessary to, you know, we don't get in, we speak in derogation of uh, Netflix or of Showtime. Look, people come to HBO because they know that we are very good at eventizing programming, our marketing is superb, our communications team is superb. We know how to take things and lift them up into a very crowded culture. And again, don't listen to me about this. Don't listen to my colleagues about this. Listen to the talent talk about this. So what we do is, again, the line at the door is a long one, and that is a blessing for us. And when people come in, they're very enthusiastic from the first hour about developing with us because our development team is also fantastic, and people know what it is to work inside, um, you know, our, with our development teams, whether it's on half hours or hours or minis. So a lot of the pedigree that we bring to the creative process, um, I think, is a great advantage um, to to the, to our competitive side. Let's go back to the distribution side of the house because I, I think one under appreciated piece of the HBO business is international. And I think people don't even, by and large, understand how big a footprint that is. And that also is making this sort of streaming evolution in lots of different interesting ways. So where is that all going? So we have, just as our distribution strategy domestically is multilateral, it is uh, internationally multilateral. So we have owned and operated networks in 60 countries, as you know, in Latin America, in, in Eastern Europe, and in Asia. We have direct-to-consumer uh, products in Nordics and in Spain and, and now in Poland, and, 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 uh, and we're thinking about other markets as well. And then we have what we call home of HBO, which are licensing deals with Sky, with Foxtel, with Bell Media, which are very, very, very... Um, you know, high margin, low risk revenue deals. And the, the question for us, uh, you know, has always been, we, those don't get counted as subscribers, even though we have, you know, 85 million subscribers uh, internationally. Those don't get counted, but 
Sky, Sky Italia, home of HBO. Sky Deutschland, home of HBO. Um, Sky Atlantic, home of HBO. Bell Media in Canada. Those are all HBO subs. They're just put under an overall licensing deal. So we've made, up till now, the decision to do those kinds of licensing deals, home of deals. Um, whether that evolves in the future is an open question. I hate to sound like a broken record, but... Netflix, Amazon, Full Court Press, globally. Um, it's interesting hearing you guys take this customized approach region to region. At some point, though, do you need to go head-to-head with Netflix and Amazon and others in the same way that you're doing domestically? Well, I wouldn't look at it as, are we going to go head-to-head with Netflix or head-to-head with Amazon? I would look at it, what is the proper way to maximize um, our brand over a 10-year time horizon. Remember, we have been um, you know, managing our, our business and, and tethered to uh, a corporation which was running uh, an earnings model for you know, a long time. And when you're at that end of Pennsylvania Avenue, you have one set of demands. When you're at my end of Pennsylvania Avenue, you, know, you, you may be thinking slightly differently. So I think the good thing is that our technology has evolved um, we now have one global platform. We've merged our tech stacks between HBO Go and HBO Now. And what's exciting for us is if we wanted to pivot internationally, like we did in Nordics, like we did in Spain, like we just did in Poland, we can do that. And that'll be a decision that we make you know, over the coming years. What I wanted to make sure that we had and what thankfully we have built is optionality. And um, you know, where we pivot and how we pivot, stay tuned. Got it. Uh, also wanted to talk about technical infrastructure, what you're doing through, you know, HBO's digital expression. I mean, you guys w- went through an evolution there where, uh, you know, there was some trial and error, BAMTech. Uh, BAMTech wasn't trial and error. Before that. Well, we were building from a stand... I wouldn't even call that trial and error. We were building from a standing start a, uh, a tech strategy... And what we concluded very quickly was the fastest way for us to build digital capacity was to rent our back end. And that's what we did with BAMTech. I think it was proved to be um, the right decision. They did a terrific job for us. And as we were doing that, we gained proficiencies. Uh, we built our engineering team, and we created the capacity for us to move on our own. But we couldn't have done that and moved as fast as we did into the digital space. So we rented what we needed to. We grew and we built. And we are where we are now, which is independent with our own, with our own tech stack. I mean, as you look across the media landscape, do you see that brands like yourselves are sort of like ingesting that technical DNA and that's what's necessary to get to the next level? Well, you certainly want the kind of tech proficiency and engineering proficiency to improve your UI, improve your UX, be able to do customization, personalization, all those things. It's interesting. I had one of our senior engineers um, in from Seattle yesterday, and I said to him, when, when you talk about recruitment, which is obviously very competitive in the Valley, what is the number one recruitment tool for you when you're bringing people into our house? Because... You know, there's, there's obviously many, many places for talented engineers to go. And he said, the brand. And it's a terrific opportunity um, for engineers to come into HBO and to move the needle um, in, in a way that's quite dramatic over a short period of time, uh, which they've done, and they've been quite brilliant at it, and we're improving all the time. As you look out 
also on the landscape right now. We can't talk about you know what's going to be the future of your corporate parentage, but elsewhere, it's you know with CBS, Viacom, other things. The consolidation of this world. What does it mean for HBO when so much around it is bulking up the way it is? You know, we've remember we've always been an a la carte play, so we've always lived in an a la carte universe where whatever the bundle was, we were sold on top of that bundle. And I think one of you asked early on about our growth potential. I think one of the interesting things about our potential is we've always been kind of underpenetrated. I think, and we're now moving that penetration up. When you've been fully penetrated. It's it's a much it's a much harder dynamic when I think there's been nine million people over the course of the last few years who have uh, who have cut the cord. So I think brands are, as I said earlier, matter more than ever. And are you delivering to the consumer something unique? Because the optionality that is out there for consumers is greater than ever. And so your brand has to stand for something and deliver on that promise so that people feel they are buying or they are acquiring differentiation. We've always believed we're good at that. I think we've become better and better at it, and um, that's our brand promise. And I think the talent, the writers, the producers who come in to work with us, they want to deliver on that. And the first thing we hear all the time, if you sit in pitch meetings, is you don't hear repetition in a pitch meeting at HBO, you hear innovation at a pitch meeting at HBO. No one's coming in and saying, I want to do this differently. They're coming in and saying, I have a new idea. And, you know, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but we have pretty darn good batting average. But, you know, at a time when you guys, for instance, are doing, and I think this is smart, you know, Game of Thrones prequels, isn't there something to be said, especially in this media environment of everything's getting reboot crazy about... Stick into the tried and true. Don't get too innovative. Find the sure things. No. I think that the brand has always, at our best, artists have come in and done things that have never been done before. David Chase did something that had never been done before. Uh, I think Alan Ball did something with Six Feet Under that had never been done before. True Blood. You know, when we greenlit True Blood... That was not such an obvious pick, a vampire show on HBO that was a bit pulpy in that way. And when, when I did my second uh, TCA, um, the, the first TCA is Sopranos is gone, what are you going to do, who the hell are you, and can this, how the hell is this going to work? And the second TCA is, was, Mr. Plepler, how did you presage the rise of the vampire phenomenon in the United States? And, of course, the answer to that was, we presage nothing. We just bet on Allen, and um, we're, we were right. So, look at Bill Hader, who comes in with you know uh, with Barry, which has done phenomenally well for us, or Mike Judge with Silicon Valley, um, JJ and Jonah and Lisa Joy pitching Westworld. When and, and when they pitch Westworld, the whole. Uh, kind of cultural understanding and marination in AI wasn't as dynamic as it is now. They were way ahead in seeing um, both how dynamic that could be and how entertaining that could be. So, no, I think part of the DNA for us is that writers know that they can take risks and they can make big bets. There's no fear at our network about doing something that we think has a strong and differentiated creative voice. And 
the blessing for us is that talent knows that, and I think we're the great beneficiaries of, of, those, of that kind of risk-taking. Are, are there genres right now that you're cool to that you think need or, you know, maybe need to lay fallow? No, I think there, we, we have – when somebody comes in, we have a totally open mind. Um, we want to hear the, the vision we want to hear their point of view. We want to hear why they think this can break new ground. I think it's very, you know, if somebody, if so, when Benioff and Weiss came in to pitch Thrones, remember, that was a fantasy show. David's comment to me was, you're nervous about this. There's dragons in it. It's fantasy. This isn't typical HBO. We, and, and the way he pitched it was, he said, look, this is about power. And it's about archetypal power. And it's, it's Shakespearean. It's biblical. And if you just... Forget where you are. You could you, you could be in 10th century France. You could be in 15th century. It doesn't really matter. And we we believed their vision. So it's not closing. Once you start saying we're not going to do fantasy or you know uh, you know the, the the whole gestalt of Westworld was something nobody had ever seen before. Um, and I think uh, it, it, they, they've done just a remarkable job. Jesse Armstrong's Succession, which is coming this summer, a remarkable piece of work. I believe differentiated from anything we've seen. Uh, a, a drama about a media company. Do you sort of do you spark to something like that for obvious reasons? The the pitch talking was, about succession. It's actually it's actually not so much about it. It's about family mm-hmm. and it's about Faustian deals uh, inside families and it's about fathers and sons. And it's about the complexity of dynasties and families. And um, they happen to own a media conglomerate. But mm. that's just the subtext. Sounds a little like a, a real-world uh, analog well, it, I can think of. But... As, you, as you can appreciate, it is hardly specific to any one family. But it is, uh, it, 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 it's, I've seen eight out of the ten. I'm, hopefully this weekend we'll see the other two. Uh, they've done just a splendid Good luck with that. Good luck with a lot more, and thanks for coming today. It's a pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Strictly Business. Make sure you subscribe. You'll get more episodes every week. Tune in next week when we'll have the CEO of Group 9 Media, Ben Lehrer. We'll see you next week. Strictly Business.